Hello and welcome along. Today, guys, on the podcast, we have a Brit who, after 10 years of talking with atheists, is still a Christian. That man's name is Justin Brierley. Check it out. Welcome to Young Minds and Big Questions. Today we are like a couple of kids in a candy store. <laughs> we are super, super excited. Anthony, how are you feeling? I'm I'm a little bit nervous because Justin is the master interviewer, so I'm I, I feel as though I might say something stupid. You probably will. There's okay. a good chance of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, today on our show we have the one and only Justin Brierley, who, if you uh, are into apologetics and theology, which is probably why you're listening to this, you should know who he is. Because he hosts, I, I mean, I don't have statistics to back this up, but I would say it's got to be the number one podcast on apologetics yeah, and definitely. theology and um, bringing non-Christians and Christians together on Premier Christian Radio. So um, if you listen to us at all, you know we we shout out to him and tell people to listen to his podcast all the time. Justin, thank you so much for being with us, man. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, we're excited. And, b- and before we go, we just want to extend our uh, our condolences and our love and support for you guys and what happened in Manchester. And our hearts and prayers are with you guys. And thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's left everyone reeling here. It's it's obviously been several years. Uh, well, two thousand and five that we had a, last had a major terrorist incident in in London. Um, but the, yeah, so so this has come also during a, a general election campaign season. So um, mm. it, you know, it's 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 a really difficult time. But we do appreciate your support and your love and your prayers. Absolutely, absolutely, we're with you guys, and and uh, and uh, we're excited. We're excited today. We're excited to talk with you about a little bit about your life and your experience. If you don't know who Justin is, he's been he's been hosting a. Uh, a, a radio show which turned into a podcast called Unbelievable for 10 years, right? Or more? Yeah, in fact, more than 10 years. I guess it's the, the podcast probably goes back around 10 years now, believe it or not. Okay. But um, the, the radio show actually began um, uh, in late 2005. So it's, it's really wow. 11 and a half years that it's been on air as a radio show. Amazing. So, Justin, we'd love to hear. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit of your story. You know, how did you come to faith in Jesus growing up in England, and how did you come to be interested in apologetics and theology, and be doing a podcast and talking to some of the biggest names in in that field? Yeah. Well, well, that, that's the funny thing is that I I don't often share much of my my own background, my faith journey myself on the show. I'm normally the the, the host, you know, and let other people do the talking. Um, but because of the book, which has just released on the whole subject. Um, that's been my opportunity to kind of tell how the show's affected me and and indeed my my walk of faith and and so yeah i begin by talking about that and my story probably very similar to many others is is i was raised in a christian family here in the uk um went to church you know uh, as a young uh, child and through through my teenage years um but faith certainly became real for me in my late teens um i can sort of pinpoint that really to a an experience I had, um, which I would say was my my moment of conversion. Really, uh, it was on a youth retreat, and uh, and I had what you know you might call a, uh, an experience of God, uh, the Holy Spirit, um, whatever you want to call it, it. It was a moment when I came sort of face to face with the reality of of Christ and 
um, it was a life changing moment for me and, and many people uh, in my peer group and those around me, you know, saw that it made a real impact, a difference in my life. I, I came away from that weekend feeling very different and um, Christ had become a living reality. I, I wanted to pray. I wanted to read the Bible. It wasn't just something, you know, handed down from my parents any longer. And, and that set me off really on my faith journey. Not everyone has that experience, of course. And my, my wife, Lucy, um, would say that for her, faith was something that was kind of always there and um, matured as she as she went on. Uh, mine was one of those more of those wham bam experiences where suddenly I kind of really woke up to the reality of it in my life. Um, and that that's kind of where the, the, the Christian journey began for me. Um, obviously, my faith has changed and developed and you know in all kinds of ways over the years not least through through doing unbelievable of course how did you get into broadcasting and that did you go to school for that or well i did uh, i did my a levels here um in the uk that's sort of what you do before you go to university but at university i didn't study broadcasting particularly i um i did politics philosophy and economics oh. but that's a good a good grounding in developing your critical reasoning skills and yeah. um, and get it, you know, and the philosophy actually in the long run was quite helpful with some of the issues we do end up dealing with on, on Unbelievable. But no, the broadcasting side was something I, I got into once I was uh, finished at university. My wife and I got married and been away on a, a gap year after getting married. And, and on my return, I started um, uh, to, to basically do some um, temporary work for this radio station called Premier Christian Radio in London, which um, which turned into a broadcasting career uh, in the fullness of time. Began on the uh, breakfast show uh, as a sort of sidekick to the main presenter. Um, I did that for a few years before asking the station manager if I could have my own spot in the schedule. I wanted to develop a show where we could talk to non-Christians as well, because it, as a Christian radio station, uh, which obviously are pretty common in the USA, it's 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 fairly unusual here in the UK. In fact, we were the very first Christian radio station in the UK, and um, but we we did a great job of talking to Christians about Christian things. But I wanted an opportunity to go beyond that bubble, and uh, and so he uh, he said yes to my idea of bringing non-Christians into studio to have a dialogue and a discussion once a week. And that's really where the show began. Wow. Now, just a side note, I mean, it's got to be, that's got to be one of the most popular shows on your, your station now, right? As far as, as far as podcasting goes and things like that. Yeah, certainly that's been where the major area of growth has been over the last several years is, is it's, it's one of our major offerings, our major offering really uh, online. It's certainly the most popular thing we do in terms of podcasts. Um, so, so it really does bring an international audience in that sense to the station via, via people who subscribe to the podcast from America, Canada, Australia, other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, I'll be honest, it's not at the most popular listening time for the radio station, you know, Saturday afternoon isn't like peak listening time but it tends to be it's in a sort of a, a range of shows on a saturday afternoon that we call faith explored where we, we're kind of aiming for people who want to tune in at that time on the radio uh for for sort of issues and interviews and programs that will help to uh spark their thinking and so unbelievable's kind of been the the bedrock of that for a long time but it, it is really as a podcast you know that's how you guys obviously listen and, and to be honest uh, probably a, a larger now podcast audience around the world than we actually get on a Saturday afternoon from the radio side. So it's it's just as much, uh, if not more, a podcast as a radio program now. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen every week, and it's always it's always awesome. Like it always is really, really, really interesting 
So, Justin, I've always wondered, what are some of your favorite apologetic arguments that you've heard uh, in your years of doing the show? Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has their favorites, don't true, they? Yeah. Um, and and I guess mine, you know, if you listen long term to the show, you, you'll often hear me pressing uh, the, the moral argument for God. And, um That's my favorite that's, too, Justin. Well, well, in a way, I know that you guys did a podcast a while ago where you actually picked up on that conversation I had with Richard Dawkins, yeah, yeah. Uh, where which essentially was, you know, talking about the moral argument and um, and where I sort of in the hubbub of a busy reception after his debate with John Lennox, this was going back several years. Um, you know, I asked him, you know, what if if we had happened to develop evolutionarily speaking in a way that meant rape was fine, we were all fine with rape, you know, would that mean rape is fine, you know? Uh, and and he kind of didn't want to answer the question, but said, uh, you know, I just happen to have, you know, the, you know, the view that the, the rape isn't fine and, and I'm glad of that. And that is a value judgment. Right. And I, and I wanted, I just pressed it, you know, well, you know, if, if your value judgment is just a result of evolution, it's as random as us developing five fingers instead of six. And, and he sort of conceded the point, which was, was interesting because, at least in that conversation, he seemed to be saying, yeah, um, I don't really have any um, way to stand on my my kind of moral belief that rape is wrong if, if it is just handed down by the happenstance of evolution. Um, and I, I've always found that that's I've never heard a, a satisfactory answer, I guess, to that from from an atheist who really does believe that that all that that's going on is uh, matter in motion and the blind forces of nature, because it doesn't make sense of the 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 instinctive view that the vast majority of people have that some things really are right yeah. and wrong that there's, yeah. there's something objective about the nature of of morality that can't simply you know be beyond the dice roll of whatever we happen to get handed by by our, our culture or, or evolution or whatever mm. so so for me i've never heard a satisfactory answer to that i think it's a very uh, it's 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 an argument for god that in in contrast to say the classic you know cosmological arguments and things like that it's an argument that where you have to look inside yourself to see why it makes sense yeah. because we we have to look at our own feelings about these things and say do i really believe that you know our n instinctive idea that human life should be valued is just an illusion really is just you know a product of my blind evolution and so on and most people when they get down to it i don't think they really believe that no i think i mean i was thinking about that this morning you know what happened in manchester and if you watch the certainly the news around here cnn fox news all the different i mean everybody's heartbroken everybody's you know they're they're mourning everybody's united and saying this is wrong this is terrible that they would target children and this is and I just thought this morning, one of the things Anthony and I talk on our podcast a lot about is um, the question is, what worldview makes the most sense of all these things? And and um, I think moments like this should pause people that say, like, this is wrong. And does your worldview actually make sense of that being wrong? You know, and, and to your point in that clip with Dawkins, it doesn't, you know, but we but yet we know this is wrong. We know it is. Mm. So instead of saying, well, no, maybe it's not wrong and trying to convince ourselves, maybe we should instead challenge our worldview and say, maybe my worldview is is not right here. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think um, that there is a kind of um, uh, contradiction that many people um, who are skeptics, atheists face where they want to have their cake and eat it and 
say these things are terrible and wrong but when you ask them to what well what exactly how do you ground that they'll 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 then resort to everything being subjective and um you know relative when it mm. comes to morality and you can't you can't have both of them it's funny also isn't it that that these tragedies um do tend to suddenly make people want to talk about people being safe somewhere people prayer you know suddenly people talk about thoughts and prayers and 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 it's interesting that people immediately want there to be more than this just being the random yeah happenstance of of you know what happens in life it, they, they want there to be more meaning to life than than this just just happening for, for no reason and of course, it's suffering and evil is a great mystery still on Christianity, but for me on atheism, it's just meaningless. There isn't any rhyme or reason, and and yeah. and for me that is, you know, I, I find that a very nihilistic, ultimately point of view um, because uh, I, I, even though it's it's a hard thing to face up to in the Christian worldview, we do believe there will ultimately be some day of of justice and reckoning when. All of these things will be will be put right in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we you know, you deal with a lot of atheists. Um, our hope is that we have listeners who are believers and non believers. And so one of the questions we want to ask you is, um, of all the atheists you've listened to, what are some of the strongest arguments or maybe the argument that that brought you kind of the most challenge to your faith? What are the the best arguments you've heard against God? Uh, in your years of doing the the radio show, yeah, uh, I think one that's always hard to counter because it's 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 an emotional problem as as well as a, a an evidential problem is is always um, the problem of suffering, which I, I've obviously referenced briefly there already. And um, inevitably, when you hear tragic stories um, where people you know were dealt a hand which they didn't deserve in any way, uh, it, it always is emotionally hard to to process and um i remember this was very much in the early days of unbelievable before we were a podcast when i first did this topic um and um i i think i had at the time dan barker from the freedom from religion foundation on the line from the states for this uh and he just you know as he's a good communicator he just very uh, succinctly spelled out a situation of you know imagine wandering through it children's hospital and there was all these children suffering from bone cancer and everything else and 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 he sort of said why would a god allow this and and when you're faced with something like that you you know it's hard to know what to say um and and i think that's always going to be one of the the toughest challenges a christian can face is simply the problem of suffering and evil um when it's presented in in a very you know obvious and cogent and sort of emotionally stirring way um so so i think that's that's a tough one um and uh it should be because it is you know something that everyone has to deal with christians included this will often be the thing that most tests the christian faith ultimately um as well as being a barrier for non-christians um who who you would like to see come to faith so what's your thought process in response to the problem of evil how do you rationalize that in your mind yeah well there's a few different directions you can go and and i I devote a chapter in my book to to the problem suffering just because it is such a perennial problem um and the first thing i would want to say and what many people would say is for those who are actually in 
in suffering who are grieving you know they don't necessarily need a a logical right, theodicy right. as it's called you know a, a reason for why god might allow suffering they they need your love they need your support they need you to to weep with them but if a point does arise when you can have a conversation and and people are asking those bigger questions around you know why would god allow this and it and it's the right time i i think there are there are several directions to go um so i would say firstly eliminating god doesn't really help in the long term for the existential question because uh, yeah. as i say for me it, it only makes suffering meaningless yeah. rather than a mystery um and i think there are a number of ways and and you you mu- it's not that you can necessarily show this for, for everyone's individual um issue of suffering and and so on but but i think it's evident that there are all kinds of ways in which we can see the way god can use evil and suffering for his greater purposes um, you know, I, I, I had, uh, my second child, uh, my third child, sorry, Jeremy, um, he was born with a skin infection. And I remember taking him down to the intensive care unit, uh, less than 24 hours old and him having to be injected with these antibiotics. And, uh, it was a horrible experience to have to watch him, you know, this tiny little baby, and his wrist being manipulated by the doctor to, to get the needle in, to, to give him the antibiotics. And all he could see was the pain and everything else of the situation being taken away from his the warmth of his mother and everything else. Um, and I wished I could tell him, you know, the doctor's not doing this to be mean. He's trying to help you. Uh, and in a, a similar way, I, I just think we so often cannot see the big picture in the way that God sees it. And, and we all we see is the pain. Yeah. Um, and and there, there are just a variety of ways in which I can look back on painful periods of my life and say, actually, I'm a better person. I learned so much because of that situation. Now, now there may be lots of things we can't say that of and, and where we do just seem apparent, see apparently, you know, gratuitous suffering and so on. But but even there, I would say um, we, we can never know fully um, what how God may use circumstances. Um, I'd also say that there is simply a, a battle going on, you know, at a cosmic level between good and evil and and there are casualties if you like in the process and but but we 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 have faith in a god who will see us through to to the end of that um and indeed in a god who who comes into that battle in person and even if none of your theodicies kind of connect with someone who you know who just can't see why why god would allow something at the very least, we serve, We have this amazing story of a God who actually came and suffered with us mm. and was willing to be the victim of suffering and persecution, um, betrayal. He knows what it feels like. And for many people, I think that, that can be actually more valuable than, than a kind of philosophically sound theodicy, just knowing that God knows what it feels like yeah. to, be, to be in that position is an extraordinary thing and something that only, I think, Christianity of all all the world religions really offers. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a really helpful, helpful answer. Um, did you ever think about, you know, maybe debating one of these atheists yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, (laughs) I mean, the, the only time I've ever on unbelievable really debated an atheist. Um, well, a couple of times, I suppose, um, is well i did i did a, a to kind of two episode edition of the show where i i sat down with Darren brown who isn't terribly well known in the usa oh, but yeah, he's a yeah. mass, massive star of of ta- stage and tv as an illusionist um he's kind of our equivalent of a i don't know a um penn and teller maybe or something like that but um he's um 
but that was kind of very much a conversation between us. Um, it was an interview, really, but where I pushed back, certainly, in various ways uh, against his atheism. Um, and then um, uh, and then a lot longer ago, um, I had a, a kind of um, one-to-one with um, a guy called, uh, I think is Reginald Finley, I think, who, who would go by the name of the, um, uh, the, the oh, it's gone up my head, the... Um, he ran a show called, uh, oh, it's, it's gone, out, it's gone out of my head, but he, he's basically an atheist, um, uh, show w- w- where he would sort of have interviews and, and okay. we kind of did a mini debate. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm aware that by writing a book, making the case for Christianity rather than simply, um, hosting the debate. So I, I am sort of rather putting myself up now in the position of the apologist yeah, and, yeah. and that will of course invite <laughs> people to, uh, to, 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 to want to grill me on that. So, um, I'm, I'm, I am doing one or two conversations, uh, in other contexts for, for other radio stations and things where, where they're putting me up with someone who's an agnostic or an atheist. Oh man, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, i have a feeling those will be kind of at the more kind of friendly conversational end rather than with anyone who's really kind of hard hard boiled um i i do understand that a a number of skeptics who listen to unbelievable are are joining forces to kind of write a response an online response to the book so that that, that'll be interesting to see see what they make of it and uh, i'm sure they will you know i i don't in any way claim that this book is kind of uh, a comprehensive defense or indeed exploration of all the issues they're my they're my kind of attempt at putting it across in a popular way um and i fully you know and i said you know in the book there are lots of comebacks to many of these issues but i'm more than happy to to have a go at defending that to people um i i think uh if if i've been expecting people to do it on my show i need to be able to step up and do a bit of it myself too (laughs) yeah well it's interesting because um Anthony and I, we joke a lot and we talk, if you listen to your show, um, what I've realized is sometimes there'll be guests on there, and I won't mention the names, but there'll be Christian guests on there who you think, come on, you you can say that better or you could, you could word that better. And then you'll come in and summarize their arguments in a better and more clear, concise way. And I'm like, yes, thank you, Justin to the rescue. So I think you could definitely hold your own. And obviously in, in writing this book, which you have, it, it's not available yet. Um, we've pre-ordered it on Amazon. You go on Amazon. It's called Unbelievable Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian. And um, so obviously with writing this book, Justin, and doing the show, you, you've got to, you've got to have some chops apologetically and, and theologically. It sounded like from your story that you kind of fell into the broadcasting thing. So what kind of like training, what kind of studying, how have you grown in your, your understanding of these issues in order to be able to not only have conversations, but write a book like this? Well, I'd, I'd say it very much has been training in that sense on the job. Right. Um, because as I've brought people on to unbelievable, you know, I was, I was very, I would say, um, green and didn't, didn't really know my stuff when I began unbelievable. Um, and it's really in the course of hosting so many discussions and of course, you know, looking into the issues for myself in the course of researching the various issues that I've, you know, just developed, I guess, where I stand on a lot of stuff and what I think, you know, parsing out from the various perspectives that, that have been on offer, um, what I think are some of the, mo- the strongest for me arguments for Christian faith. And, and where I come down on the end is, um, and you kind of expressed it well yourself earlier, that, that 
for me, um, you, you're never going to have a proof, you know, absolute proof of God or, or Christianity, but you, you can have the best explanation. And, and we need to understand that whether it's atheism, Islam, something else, all of these are worldviews which are offering explanations of, of life and the universe. And for me, specifically in this book, dealing with atheism versus Christianity, um, I just I just find Christianity, despite the objections, you know, yeah. good objections that people often level at it, um, it still ha- has the more compelling explanation yeah. of life and the universe. And that doesn't mean there aren't mysteries. It <laughs> doesn't mean there aren't plenty of unanswered questions. But it still, for me, makes the best sense of, of the life we've been dealt. Yeah. I am I am excited to read it and encourage our listeners to do it as well because one of the I mean there's obviously a million books on apologetics and but the, you have a unique perspective in that you've been at the front seat of some of the greatest minds going at it in this topic and which is kind of a unique perspective because most of the other books out there are either you know an apologist or a theologian or philosopher or a hardcore atheist scientist who is really coming at it from their one perspective. But I think the cool thing is you've you've certainly had your fair share of uh of seeing both sides of the issue. Um which is which is cool. So I am excited to to check out the book. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And and I, what I've tried to do of course in the book as well as spell out my reasons for for faith um is to to weave as many sort of stories and uh encounters from the shows over the years into that. Um so it's a combination, really, of my own journey, uh, the journey of the show, um, some of the many conversations that have contributed to the way I see things. And and overall, you know, it's had a really, really positive response from people who who I sent it to advance in advance to, to get some endorsements. So I was really pleased that people like Tim Keller enjoyed it a lot and um, were able to endorse the book. And, uh, and, and a frequent comment about it was that, it's it, it's helped i think because i think apologetics you know inevitably it, it can be for some people a bit dry and a bit academic and i, I think just having a, a number of those stories about the encounters and the people who've been involved kind of helps to to kind of make it palatable in that sense so justin has these atheists that you talk to every week changed your mind on any issue is is there anything that has changed in your theology yeah i mean obviously we do sort of shows where it's more theological discussions between christians as well and and those certainly my theology has been shaped in in certain respects um i think i i became convinced in the course of doing shows on the issue of hell for instance my my theology changed there to to being you know what's often called uh, annihilationist or conditional immortality um uh, i think i've i've got a a better sort of understanding of how to treat various different types of scripture different genres of scripture maybe than i had before i began the show um and uh, and i think you know in terms of the atheist and christian debates uh i i've i've learned to um to to to, to just understand better where what what naturalism is you know as a worldview you know which is ultimately what most atheists whether they realize it or not sort of subscribe to the idea that that, that all there is is physical stuff and and i guess um i it's helped me to see the way that christianity offers a better answer a better explanation of so many of those aspects of our existence and experience uh than than atheism does in that sense uh so so it's both both understanding christianity better uh, getting a more rounded picture a bigger sense of of how things feel like they stack together and also a better understanding of what the other worldviews are claiming as well so that you don't feel like um 
you know, it's it's made me realise, for instance, that you know, the atheist who says, "Well, I'm just going to sit back and wait till you provide me with the evidence that there is a god," that's that's actually not not true. That's not the case. You, we're both inhabiting a worldview, yeah. and you equally have to give me your reasons for right. why all that exists is matter in motion when when so much of our experience seems to militate against mm. that. You know, so so yeah, it's been really helpful in just just helping me to consolidate and sort out and parse you know the way my christian worldview works in that sense so justin you've talked to a lot of people and i know this might be difficult but who are some of your favorite guests to have on the show wow um so many <laughs> it's like it's like asking me to choose between my children you know um <laughs> well that was actually uh, our next question so <laughs> <laughs> i i i uh, it is hard to choose because they're also different and different guests bring a completely different kind of feel to the programs very often um you know i'm a huge fanboy of tim keller you know i love it when he when he's been on um but uh, i also love tom wright uh, you know and, and he's had some fantastic theological discussions mm. with people yeah. over the years on the show um but there's been some really zingy debates you know between some you know obviously when you get kind of fairly opinionated and people who people who are willing to you know put their opinions forward quite robustly you you always have an exciting kind of engagement then and and we've certainly had that in previous years when we've had people like peter hitchens who yeah. famously of course was the brother of christopher hitchens before he died and um but peter very different to his atheist brother has a very strong christian faith though he's he's very <laughs> he, he tends to go in for it when he uh, when he's come on the show in terms of his debate style um and you sort of stand back and let the fireworks fly um <laughs> but uh, there's there's also been um you know i i've actually quite enjoyed it's, it's not always the easiest listening but you know when we've had quite full-on debates between muslims and christians uh jay smith who's a, a, a an evangelist here in the uk to muslims uh you know not afraid at all to sort of stand toe to toe with them and um and and go for it in studio those, those have provided some quite exciting episodes and David Robertson is a, is a regular guest. He's a, a Scottish um, minister and apologist. And whenever I have him on, because he, his style is quite, in a sense, confrontational, or at least giving as good as he gets very often when it comes to atheist guests, uh, even the Christian listeners are often dis divided as to whether that was a, a good way of doing things. And some <laughs> say, oh, I don't like his style. It's too confrontational. And others who say, yeah, go for it, David. You know, <laughs> so so uh, so yeah. The the ones where there's a bit of drama um, often do stay in your mind. And, right, and, right. Yeah. Oh man, I all those guys. I love David Robinson, N.T. Wright, Tim Keller, uh, Peter Hitchens. I mean, dude, uh, this. I mean, you have the freaking best job ever. You could talk to <laughs> everyone that we wish we could talk to. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I am actually, I, do, I am so lucky in that sense, if I'm allowed to use the word lucky, but it's it's a kind of, um, I, I do genuinely have the joy of having a, a job where, which I look forward to doing, where I'm excited to be able to bring that person and this person together, because I wonder what will happen when you get those two in the same room or whatever. Right. And, and that's always exciting. <laughs> so Justin, this is kind of, a, I, I didn't, throw this at you ahead of time but um i just thought of it on the spot and i'm curious so what do you, as you kind of look at your future the success you've had now what what do you where do you see your future going what do you see yourself doing in the future 
That's that's a really good question. I mean, the, I, I feel like certainly over the last couple of years, Unbelievable has, has been growing, obviously, uh, and, and it's kind of reached a point where it's it's got so much potential to go in different directions. We've obviously just released the book now, and we, we're going to see how that flies. Um, we're, we're looking forward to hopefully, you know, really continuing to do what we do but improving on it expanding it and we've got some really exciting projects in the pipeline as well i can't say too much at this point but but there's um potentially some really exciting shows happening um in the uh, in the next 12 months or so um so so uh the the, the question really is 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 how far i <laughs> sort of stop being just the host of unbelievable and start doing what this book represents really which is which is speaking on my own terms about um christianity and so on and uh there have been lots of opportunities to do that uh, here in the uk at christian festivals and things i've i've spoken for the last few years at one of the major festivals spring harvest and um but there's also you know uh, a lot of people who appreciate the show out in usa and canada and it's just a case of um working out what the best approach is if if um you know when opportunities do arise to do speaking elsewhere and uh, how to sort of match that with the fact i am in the uk so is my family and uh, i can't i can't always be popping over to america for things right. either but uh, but no it's it's exciting and and your prayers would be valued because that it certainly it feels like there's there's a great deal of potential and i just need wisdom and and guidance in in how to see that see that happen of course it sounds like you're going to become the next John Lennox. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I had him at this year's conference, and he was stunning as usual because he's John Lennox. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope that what I can do, I think, um, and I think what a number of people have, have said after uh, who have had a look at the book is, is uh, you know, bring apologetics across in, in an accessible way. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the, the key things. And in a way that, you know, engages people imaginatively as well as uh, with with the uh, the intellectual side of their brain well I, I mean clearly god is using you and um you know we we're passionate about these type of conversations because that was kind of the world we grew up in which is a very you know christian culture but very anti-intellectual christian um subculture and um you know people would talk about going to s- seminary and they would call it cemetery you know and it was just kind of i remember i remember being in uh in I was in middle school or youth group and my youth pastor said, you know, dinosaurs aren't real because they were never mentioned in the Bible. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't know much about, about dinosaurs, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm pretty sure they have bones to, uh, to prove that, you know? And, and so I think a show like yours is, uh, has been really helpful even for Christians who are kind of uh, fearful or have grown up in a culture that says, hey, Christian Christianity is not about thinking, it's about faith, and um, don't engage your minds because there's not really questions out there for you. And I know in a place like New York, where we are at, there's a whole lot of non-Christians who believe they can't be a Christian because they have presuppositions about what Christianity is, and your show, a show like yours is helping break those down. But then there's also a lot of Christians who um who are fearful or not engaging areas because they just feel like they can't that that's not mm. um you know that doesn't go along with with the christian worldview yeah. so and i I, th- I think the good thing is that i think that attitude is changing in churches yeah. they're realizing they can't keep people in some kind of christian bubble you know the internet has kind of popped that bubble and <laughs> um uh, and in a sense we 
churches have to be ready to uh, especially with young people help them to engage with the critical questions that will inevitably come their way yeah. and my my hope is that with unbelievable you know you're not gonna you know you're not gonna hear the christian trouncing the atheist every week of course you're not but you what you will hopefully hear over the course of you know a decade now of listening is is christianity being shown that it's it's a viable intellectual option um that there are you know people who who are credible thinking people who are able and willing to defend it and um even if that doesn't necessarily persuade the average skeptic in a, you know in a one-time show I, th- I think you don't you can't listen to to the show and come away thinking this is just fairy tales and gobbledygook right, right. um you know e- even if you're not ended up being persuaded yourself and and for christians i think if the book and the show and everything does anything i just hope it'll give them a, a little confidence really because i think very often the way people respond to uh, critiques and objections is is in a fearful way uh, because we've been taught somehow yeah in our churches that um if you have questions or if there are doubts it's it's a sign of weakness and actually i think i think it's important to allow people to explore their doubts but also to make sure that they realize there are answers out there and that um we can we can be more confident in the end uh, for me that's been my experience with the show it certainly there's been moments of you know where I, it's thrown up difficult questions for me and uh, and so on but but working through it in the long run i feel like i've got a much more tough faith it's a it, 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 a faith which is is sort of brittle enough that it could be broken by having one thing sort of shaken out of place is is for me not not a faith really worth having. I, I'd rather have a much tougher faith that, yeah. that 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 has gone through a few battles and yeah. and come out the other side. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we've got one final question for you, and some may argue this is the most important question. All right. We like to play a little a little uh, imaginary game here called dinner party. Okay. And you have to tell us if you could have a, an imaginary dinner party, who would you invite? You can invite anybody. They can be uh, alive or dead, although you can't say Jesus because that's a Christian answer. All right, so so we've we've debated this heavily, you know, and and, and it's a big decision because do you bring all intellectuals and there's no fun? Do you bring some fun people? I mean, so so who are you bring into your dinner party, Justin? How how many guests am I allowed? We'll, uh, I what do you know, think? We've never been asked that question. Uh, you could have as many guests as you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll just name one or two then. Uh, okay. Let Let me see. Um, well, I, I, as I say in the book. Um, one person who's been a massive influence on my life, as well as obviously so many other Christians um, in the 20th century, at least, is C.S. Lewis. Um, I'm sure others have, have given you that answer before yeah. as well. But but um, he, you know, because I, I read his books to my children. I read his books as an adult. Yeah. You know, he has this extraordinary breadth and um, just... They still the most amazing ways of, of bringing concepts and ideas alive in such an imaginative way in his writing. And I'd love to sit down and, and be able to share dinner with him. And I think he was pretty good fun as well. So so I, I have a feeling, you yeah. know, you'd have a good time if you were um, having dinner with C.S. Lewis. Um, so so that that would certainly be be one person, um, I, you know, going a bit further back, if, if I could just grill the apostle paul on a few of his <laughs> ideas that would be helpful you know what exactly did you mean yeah. when you said that um yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. super helpful <laughs> can we just iron out this whole calvinism yeah. versus arminian thing you know because uh that would that right. would be really helpful yeah um so, <laughs> awesome. 
yeah, th- th- those two would be good starters, you yeah. know, if I'm honest. Um, are you are you inviting Keller to this party <laughs> as well? Yeah, he'd, he'd probably love to sit down with those two as well, I imagine. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, he'd, he'd be asking more questions than me, I think. Um, <laughs> that's that's but, true. Um, <laughs> but someone that I always wished I'd had a chance to speak to, and I could have really had the chance to speak to, but I never took it, was, was actually Christopher Hitchens, because mm. I was once given the number for his, his New York apartment. And, uh, and I thought about ringing him and I thought, uh, I didn't, I just, I don't know. I just didn't quite have the guts, but I should have had, and I should have said, I just, I thought, Oh, he'll never say, he'll never agree to come on. He'll, yeah. you know, uh, and, and uh, now, you know, and then obviously he, he contracted cancer and, and the, the time the, the opportunity kind of was gone by, but at least even if he'd said, no, sorry, I don't have the time. I, I would have at least have, have got on the phone and, and had a chat with him maybe. So, yeah. so that's one one regret and one person I'd like to to share dinner with. Still. Yeah. Well, I mean, seeing C.S. Lewis, Paul, Tim Keller, and and uh, Christopher Hitchens awesome. <laughs> go at it, you know, that would be a pretty cool experience. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Can you invite us to this dinner party? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll see awesome. what we can do. Well, that sounds great. Well, Justin, thank you so much. Um, yeah. If you've not checked out Unbelievable Podcast, please do, and check out Justin's book as well. Uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon right now. It's less than 10 bucks, so, I mean, it's a great, great deal. Um, man, thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate all that you do and all yeah, your work. Yeah, and if, if you don't mind me mentioning that we've got a special website for the book as well, which yes. is uh, <clears throat> which is unbelievablebook.co.uk, and, and that's – you can – that. We'll take you to the Amazon links if you want to order it there. If you're in the UK, you might want to order it from our website. It's also got some some extra information about the book endorsements and so on. And and you can even download a chapter for free as well. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so so that's at unbelievablebook.co.uk. Sweet. That's great. Check hey, it we, out. We wish you the best of luck. And uh, next time we're in London, by next time, I mean we've never been there, but <laughs> <laughs> the first time we're there. We'll uh, we'll hit you up. We'd definitely love to buy you a buy you a coffee or a tea. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to that. And um, and please, yeah, if you ever are in, are in our neck of the woods, um, I'd love to see you. And and if I come in your direction again, then likewise. Sweet, that'd be great. Thank you so much, Thanks, Justin. Justin. We appreciate your time. God bless you guys. Thank you.